This week's episode is brought to you by 6minutemile.com. Running and fitness news hand curated and delivered directly to your inbox multiple times each week. These six easily digestible stories, reviews, and moments of inspiration are like the skim for endurance athletes. Sign up today and you'll get stories like the future of artificial intelligence and run coaching, which are the best gym exercises for runners, and comprehensive reviews of the latest and greatest gear from the top brands in the industry. Looking for your next race? 6-Minute Mile has a great event directory as well. Visit 6minutemile.com, pop in your email address, and sign up for your very own inbox full of endurance goodness. 6minutemile.com I don't want to surround myself with people who are not always striving to improve. Um, it, it's, it's so much so that like, it's influenced relationships I've been in where my partner perhaps didn't, it was pretty apathetic about things mm. and it, it ended up being a turnoff. Yeah. And, uh, um, my girlfriend now is like, she's incredible. And she has this desire to get better and desire to improve and be the best version of herself every day. And like, I find that so attractive. Yeah. Um, and I find that quality it's also incredibly effective. Welcome to Faster Forward. I am your host, Troy Dusseau. This is a show where we sit down and talk with some amazing people from the endurance community, age groupers and Olympians, adventurers and explorers. We discuss their successes and failures about falling down, getting back up and never ever quitting. While it's not always about finishing, it is most definitely about starting, getting on a journey faster forward. Good afternoon, John. How are you doing? Good afternoon. I am doing well over here. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I think we're basically in the same town. Are you in Boulder right now? Yeah. Yeah, I'm down the street in Broomfield. So it's a little chilly today and this week. I think we're expecting highs of around 22 or something. Yeah, a little chilly and a little snowy. So we got, what, 10 inches overnight over here? Oh, did you really? Did you get that much over there? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, think, I, I, I don't flew, know what I we got in, here. It wasn't 10. I flew in last night, and as I got further and further away from the airport, there was more and more snow. Uh, well, you're, you've been, I've been watching your Instagram. You've been doing a good job of actually getting out in it and doing your runs and stuff. So that's cool. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been good. I mean, we've only had a couple of snowy days, but uh, yeah. I enjoy it. Um, just another challenge. And when you're in the thick of marathon training, it's like, okay, just don't fall or don't yeah. tweak something. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love the snow and I love, uh, the snow beard and <laughs> getting all icy and all that yeah, I, I, I saw there was one picture that you had. Um, do you know Todd Straka, Boulder Runner? By yeah. Any okay. Yeah, yeah. He posted a photo years ago, like this great snow-covered beard photo, and then I noticed you had a really good one the other day. I can never get, I don't, like my goatee isn't enough for the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. snow to really stick to, so I've never had that good, epic Wim Hof uh, selfie with the snow on the beard. So I spent two months in Breckenridge last winter or the winter before now at this point and i mean it's like cold there so mm. it's i was doing many runs in like five degrees and so i'd go out for an hour and a half and i'd come back and it wasn't a snow beard it was an ice beard wow. and so i'd have like chunks of ice on my face and it would it would uh yeah real fun yeah <laughs> It's funny how, like, when you, you look at it, and, and especially being in Colorado, which is, um, you know, it's, it is a dry cold. I mean, I, you know, I hate to use the Arizona terminology of a dry heat, but it's, 
even when you're that cold, it's not debilitating by any stretch. But if you're not used to it and you get out there and in that ice and stuff, um, it can it can ruin your run. It can, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I spent my first, I don't know, eight, nine years as a runner in New England. I spent my mm. first 30 plus years of life in New England. Yeah. And out there, the winters are not dry. Yeah. And so it's like once you get once you get sweaty, then you're frozen and then you're cold. Out here, it's like just dress for the temperature and you're fine. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah, it truly is. The, when I first moved up here from Phoenix, the mantra that everybody said was, there's no bad weather, just bad gear. So I tried <laughs> exactly. to, um, you know, in Arizona, you can only strip off so much. And so right. nine, 10 months Before out of the year. Before it becomes illegal. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and in Arizona, some of that's not even illegal, but... That's Nine, true. ten months out of the year, you're literally just in, you know, shoes and shorts. Here, you actually have to think about, you know, um, you know, the layers, the that that's the hardest part. It's not just it's not bundling up. That's easy. It's how right. to strategically place your layers, because ultimately you're going to shed two of them and you have to put them right. on in the right order so that you're not, you know, <laughs> I mean, shameless plug for one of uh, one of my podcast sponsors, Tracksmith. They're mm. they're merino, and um, some of their their outer layers are just fantastic. You can be soaked, and it's totally fine. Um, and yeah, it's just it's all about the gear. If you have the right gear, um, you can you can enjoy it. And yeah. if you don't have the right gear, it sucks. Yeah. Well. So on that note, we didn't actually do like a proper introduction. So on the podcast, we have John Levitt, or you probably know him, Jonathan, or J.W. Levitt um, on Instagram, host of For the Long Run Podcast, one of the best um, running podcasts um, out there. It's just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal listen. You guys are, what are you up to, about 240-ish, 50? Exactly right. 240. Oh, there you go. Nailed Perfect. It. Bam. <laughs> See, I listen. That's yep. great. Um, and then you're also the um, senior sales manager for Inside Tracker, which I definitely want to talk about a little bit there too. So um, I love some of the shared, um, I think, a passion for running and endurance sports, a passion for podcasting and talking to interesting people, and a passion for building products that endurance athletes love. So that's been, I think, I think we've got a good trifecta going between the two of us. Yeah, it's a good confluence of all the all the right things and all the fun things. And yeah. So my podcast started um, basically because I'm a curious person and I get to spend a lot of time with really interesting people. And yeah. so prior to the pandemic, um, or you know, starting really in 2016, I was traveling a fair amount for work, meeting endurance athletes and a lot of professionals and Olympians, and really just like asking people, why do you do what you do? And how do you do what you do? Yeah. And I don't really, I'm not really, I don't like fanboy over people. I'm more so curious about like, what's your process? How do you get to the level you're at? And what do you do to stay there essentially? And yeah. like, what's surprise? Like all these types of things. And I was having all these conversations organically. And um, one particularly noteworthy conversation with Zach Miller got me starting to think that, okay, I should put a microphone in front of us and actually record these conversations. Yeah. And so I didn't really know what I was doing. I started to do that. And 240 episodes later, a million people or a million um, episodes have been listened to yeah. uh, since then. And it's just, it's grown in a way that I could never have imagined, right? Like I didn't start this to 
to create a uh, a podcast where I have sponsors or uh, do video or anything like that. I was just like curious to have conversations with people, and I thought that people would be interested in hearing them. And so my my favorite feedback is when someone says it just feels like a conversation amongst friends, and like I'm sitting next to the next to you guys at the bar, and yeah. and that's like that's the that's the best thing you can say to me if you listen to the podcast because that's the vibe that, that I'm going for. We're not sitting at a bar. We're sitting on a couch or yeah. um, whatever it might be. But um, yeah, really just curious to dig into what has enabled people to be <coughs> great at what they do and what can we learn from that. Yeah. Have you, um, and first off, congratulations on the million downloads. That's, that is amazing. That's Thank awesome. You. Thank you. Um, and I think part of the, Part of that success is um, having kind of gone through my own journey of, of uh, you know, launching the Athlinks podcast and then rebranding this faster forward. Part of this is like if you're getting into this to get sponsors and to make a bunch of money and you think you're going to be like the next, you know, Joe Rogan, hundred million dollar man type of thing. Right. It, right. It's going to show through and you're probably <laughs> you're probably not going to get very far. Um, right. Because, yeah, I similarly. In fact, my. Last year, a bunch of us got together with our old wrestling and football coach and had Mexican food over Thanksgiving. And so I started getting these text threads the other day. Hey, are we back in? Are we doing this? I'm not going to be in Phoenix. But my first instinct was, God, I'd love to be there and I'd love to bring four mics. Um, and not that, frankly, anybody outside of our little circle of ex-wrestlers and football players that that played for this guy and wrestled for this guy would just love to just man replay those things for years to come and so yeah yeah i applaud you i thank you for the the conversations that you've been able to um to record and replay and stuff i think it is a gift and um you know it's it's i'm curious to see how it has affected your ability to sort of self-manage yourself as a runner talking to all of these you know super elite people and people who have accomplished these very epic you you're if you're anything like me, you sort of live in this mindset as the host of the show as you want to do epic stuff. You want to sort of be right. matching things. But I noticed like last year you had some injury issues and things over summer. Does it affect how you train and run and push yourself too hard or? Yeah, uh, not in the desire to do epic things. Some of the funny feedback I get on the podcast, I, every so often I read the reviews mm -hmm. and it's like 98% good and 2% he tells the same stories. <laughs> frequently like the grand canyon my 2019 marathon yeah uh etc um last conversation i had with my grandpa so these these things that are like fundamental to how i think about my own training people are just like yep heard it yeah <laughs> to be fair they're listening to me four or five hours a month yeah um and there's some like motivation external motivation to like go do epic things so that i can talk about them mm -hmm. or have a relatable story. Yep. Um, what's so interesting, right? So here I'm in Boulder. A lot of my friends are professional athletes or Olympic athletes. Gwen Jorgensen sat five feet from here and I asked her, okay, you won the Olympic gold medal. What'd you do the next day? Um, like it's people at this level. Yeah. And what is so surprising to people who are not at that level, who don't interact with people at that level, the pros and the elites look at training the same, look at our training the same way 
we would like to look at it, right? We're getting better. We're mm-hmm. getting faster. We're getting stronger. We're we're being consistent. And the things that they pride themselves on, they can see us doing in that process. So it, it doesn't matter that my marathon PR is 651 and hers is 530 um, yeah. or whatever it is. Like it, the numbers are irrelevant. It's it's the it's the day in and day out grind and consistency that we're both striving for that is the incredibly relatable part. I had I did an episode with a woman named uh, India Cook, and she she didn't break seven hours in the New York City Marathon, and she talked about how her process is so similar, and I was just trying to bring a, bring light to the fact that no matter what your speed is, we're still going about it in, in similar ways. And we're still going about it. Those who seek to improve are going about it in similar ways. And the stories of determination and, and growth and progress, they're all the same, no matter what the, like, the structure is the same and we can appreciate it. Again, it doesn't matter if your if your marathon pace is uh, four thirty, yeah, seven, fourteen, seventeen. Really, the the only thing that matters is if it's four thirty four and you're Kipchoge. Like <laughs> I, I yeah. joke that that if somebody asks me what my marathon goal is, I say breaking two because otherwise, like unless unless that's the actual goal, yeah, everyone knows what that what that one fifty nine yeah means. It's the fastest ever. It's the fastest yeah. ever been done by a human. Yeah. Outside of that. Everyone, every other time has been run multiple times. And you could run a 235 and be horribly disappointed, or it could be your lifetime PR. Sure. You could run a 259 and the same thing. You could run a 659 and the same thing. And so I find that a time without context is completely meaningless unless 159. Yeah. Well, and, and it's remarkably reductive in terms of... Um, one of the original employees at, at Athlinks was a former 800 meter runner, Olympic trialist. He ran a 152 or 153. And I was with him several times where, and this was like the height of the rock and roll marathon birth. That was the first and only question anybody ever asked him was, what's your marathon PR? And he's like, I've never run a yeah. marathon. And the look of like, sort of, you know, disgust or, you know, whatever that people would have just like, Oh, you've never run a marathon. It's like, this is one of the fastest half, You're half not a serious the runner, planet, huh? you know, <laughs> yeah. but it was so funny to just see people like dismiss that. Um, and the reality is, is like, yeah, there are, you know, I mean, think of all the people that can dunk a basketball. They're not all Le- LeBron James, you know? And, um, to finish a marathon, we have so trivialized as if it's just nothing. You know, if the if the legend is true, the first guy that did it died when he delivered the message of the, you know, of the battle. Like, and now it's marathons just, are hard. You know, yeah. <laughs> so it's just funny, you know, of of like how how commonplace and reductive we've made running to the point where now if you don't do Leadville, if you don't do Western States, if you don't do these 250 mile epic, you know, Cocodona, like it's like, Hey, it, it doesn't even count, you know? And of course, I mean, a few years ago, a few years ago, I read a, an article by Lauren Fleshman uh, in runner's world. The 5k is freaking awesome. And I was like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds freaking awesome. And I, 
focused on training for 5k and even in the process when somebody would ask me what i was training for i would say a fast 5k because i had <laughs> right. to qualify that yeah. i wasn't just like a beginner runner and yeah. i was running you know the goal was to break 18 and like that i felt the need to qualify yeah. the the pace because of the distance and people are like oh that's cool that's cute yeah it's like that's that's like a 540 pace yeah do you think it's because like as you i guess longer is probably more attainable than faster for most people you know you can um I dropped out of Silver Rush two years ago because I knew I could have finished. I was in a ton of pain, IT, all this other crap, but it was like, I'm just not the type bucket list items. Like, I don't want to just check a box. I actually want to cross the finish line and feel like I did something. Yeah. Do you, how do you feel about that? Do you think that that's, is it just that, that it's easier, more attainable? Yes and no. So I always say that I think everyone can run a marathon. I don't think everyone can race a marathon. Good but I also don't, I also don't think that everyone can run a hundred miler. Yeah. Um, I don't think everyone can run a 50 miler. Um, and certainly I don't think everyone can race a hundred or 50 yeah. miler. And so th there's, I'm sort of torn on how to answer that question because I, I talk to so many people and so many people say that the, the marathon is the heart is the hardest event they either say that or the 800 mm -hmm. um i went to western states for the first time in 2018 and this was before i had podcast and i just asked a million people well, why are you doing this and this is on the friday afternoon before the race over in coffee bar and one one older guy was like because it's not a 5k it's easier than a 5k mm. i'm like dude you're gonna run 35 5ks mm. in this in this event or 35 k's in this event um he's like yeah but it doesn't it doesn't hurt in that constrained period in mm. the same way i'm like i kind of want to run one just to, so i can know what you're yeah. how like th that's such a crazy statement that that it hurts less than a 5k sure a 5k burns for 20 minutes but you can walk away and like go have a uh, breakfast yeah. afterwards <laughs> you're you're lucky if uh if you get dinner after a hundred miler yeah uh, on the same day <laughs> yeah it's a it's a different and again it's it's part of that reductiveness around you know whether it's a david goggins or just anybody else who feels like you just have to fight through the pain whether it's you know your feet getting completely torn to shreds and i I think there's a there's a hurt locker that I'm willing to go into and it's that 5k version of it where I'm just willing to feel that lactic acid and you know yeah. just just absolute you know your vision is narrowing but the second I start you know destroying my body or affecting my um quality of life on a day-to-day -day basis you know that's where I start to look at it and say well this isn't it's no longer about toughness and I'm not, I'm not disparaging anybody who feels like that's a fire they want to walk through, but like to do it for Instagram likes to me is just fucking crazy. You know, I don't understand yeah. the mentality, you know? Yeah. That's a whole different story. Yeah. The, the burn of the 5k is something special. Yeah. Um, but you can also do it every weekend if you want, yeah. which is, which is cool. I haven't raced a 5k in quite a while. I do. I often do one um, 
in February in Boston and it's mm. Super Bowl Sunday and it's on the same course every year. And I, I the focus is on the five miler of that race. So I all the fast guys go to the the five miler and I somehow wind up on the podium for, for the five K, <laughs> which is cool. I've yeah. got a bunch of trophies from it, but um yeah, I just love I love the five K so much. Yeah. Um and I also really love the long endurance adventures mm -hmm. um, and i did a lot of that this summer and just got absolutely destroyed by some of them and had a blast with others like kind of like over overnight hike type adventures or just no just, just like i did um i did 20 miles in tahoe and it took i don't know five hours mm -hmm. from olympic village to um, donner lake i did four pass loop out near aspen that was 28 miles and that took 12 hours wow um so that 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 kind of stuff got it yeah that's cool yeah i don't like the i don't like the overnight running through the night type stuff yeah i, I just had uh, afraid of wildlife i had ashley winchester who jason hardrath reached out and sort of put us together on twitter and ashley obviously with with jason but that was one of the questions that i asked her was like do you get scared when you're one you're half out of your mind with exhaustion and from sleep deprivation and running and stuff, but do you, do you get scared? And, and she was, no, the thing that she said she got scared of when she was doing um, the JMT was she started hallucinating some really creepy, like Blair Witch style, oh, uh, you know, talismans and things like that. But otherwise, yeah, it's just, yeah, I don't know that I'd be scared, but I'm not really the, I'm not so much the hiking type or uh, the camping type in my, in my older yeah. years. Yeah, the the hallucination thing is fascinating. It's just like a protective mechanism for your brain saying that, like, we've gone too far and I'm going <laughs> to freak you the hell out. Yeah. But I did a podcast with Courtney DeWalter and she was like, my hallucinations are usually like gummy bears coming out of my arms and, mm. and fruits, fruits as sweat beads and things like that. Yeah. Um, very enjoyable stuff. Yeah. It's funny, you know, I, I don't remember who I asked this, but I wonder because we all experience these levels of pain and distress differently. And I think it's easy to look at someone like a Courtney that, that can handle so much more, but I really do truly wonder, is she really handling more? Meaning is she feeling pain the same way that other ours, others are feeling it? Is she in the same distress that other people are? Maybe she is, but she's also maybe just built completely different to a point where she's not you know that it's just a lot easier for her you know well i'm off to leadville this weekend so i'll ask her yeah there you go i mean it could be that you know i mean like again to use the basketball analogy like for me to dunk takes every ounce of every energy that i've ever had in my life to get that high whereas someone like lebron literally just you know just pop up and right. does it so does courtney have that sort of and others like her you know uh, maybe even not even operating at that level of success, but just, we all, again, experience pain very differently. And I've, 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 I've often wondered, am I just not as tough as these people? Are we experiencing it differently? Both? I don't know. There, I think there's a lot of both going on. There's the ability to endure. Um, the, the definition of endurance is the ability to endure given an increasingly challenging output or I'm paraphrasing, but um, I'm going to screw that up. But mm. anyway, it's basically like your ability to 
persist with an ever increasingly uh we're gonna have to look that up anyway <laughs> um she has she's trained her her ability to persist yeah more than more than most but that being said people have different uh relationships with discomfort and yeah. some it's like if you look at if you look at running there are a lot of um people with interesting path past so sexual abuse or or some sort of abuse where there's an element of control and controlling the pain Devin yanko has talked a lot about this um in podcasts and her writing where like she's she's able to control the pain because she can make it stop at any time mm -hmm. and like she just won javelina uh that was pretty awesome yeah um and but some of that's also trainable right like i think back to my run last weekend i ran 22 miles and um the last two miles were 658 and 630 and I could not have done that a year ago. Yeah. And it wasn't even hard. Mm. <laughs> like it it didn't feel hard. And so training sometimes gets to a place where you're just you're flowing and yeah. and the hard is is tolerable or manageable. I don't mean it wasn't hard in that like it could, it was completely effortless. I mean that it was like comfortably challenging in yeah. that I was enjoying the the discomfort and it was I, I wasn't i wasn't riding the line by any means yeah and i probably could have finished a marathon at that same at that same effort um and it wasn't it wasn't full gas yeah and so you just stack enough of that stuff together and the ceiling just gets higher and higher and higher sure. and i think that's the point that's just the point of training right you can you can just go 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 up 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 and reestablish what's normal so maybe for someone like courtney like her her discomfort doesn't start right until a threshold that's like 50x what it would be for you and i but that's because she's either mentally done the work to get there or she's that's how she's wired yeah. or she just enjoys that hurt locker <laughs> a little bit more yeah. than than most and it's it's such an interesting relationship with with like riding the line i i love riding the line and um i i talked i've gotten to know shalane flanagan pretty well and we talk prior to each race and before my marathon in 2019 she said i never feel more alive than i feel when I'm racing mm -hmm. and she was specifically talking about riding the edge and, and like the curiosity of how, how good can I be on this day and how much, how can I execute to the best of my ability? And some of it is like, if you don't, if you never go beyond that line, you don't know where it is. Yeah. And yeah. when you go beyond the line, you know where it is. And it's the same thing with like with injury, with burnout, with um, any of these like overtraining, with any of these like very um, tangible things that suck when you go too far. They're they're feedback mechanisms. Yeah. I used to be afraid of getting injured. Um, and in January 2020, I had bilateral stress reaction, my tibias. 
and I was pissed off. I was like, who am I to get injured? Like I, I work at Inside Tracker. I blood test quarterly. I eat enough. I sleep enough. My blood work is fantastic. I have a coach who works with some of the best runners in the world. Uh, this is David Roche. Like, how is it possible mm. that, uh, that I got injured? And I, I had to be reminded that everybody gets injured. Yeah. Many people get injured. Professional athletes get injured all the time. And <clears throat> an injury is a sign that you've gone too far. Yeah. And I love to say that if you never go too far, you don't know where your limits are. And if you never go too far, you're leaving a lot on the table. Which isn't to say like you must get injured in order to like maximize your potential. It's to say it's one thing to to run and do it for fitness purposes and go out 45 minutes a day and you know have your jog and come back and be happy and it's great. To me, that's like not fulfilling. I, I like the the roller coaster of today sucks, but I get to do it. Tomorrow's awesome. The next day, you know, that that um variability sort of the the riding the wave um i put in my log the other day i was like i finally feel like i'm learning to surf mm. um and the yeah go ahead no i was gonna say i saw that quote that you had and i immediately thought of um have you seen the biggest little farm the documentary no. about the uh okay so basically because this relates to a lot of things that I, I, I find very fascinating about a similarity between your and I journeys just with the podcasting. Podcasting, to me, I now equate to running. And it's those training miles. The first time you do your podcast, like you don't know when that inflection point is going to be where all of a sudden you feel like it's successful and you feel like, wow, this is really taking off and it's fulfilling we all want an audience, right? It's, it's, it's right. not why we're doing it, but everybody wants to sort of be validated and accepted. Um, and so when I read that quote that you had put in there, I, I wondered, I wonder if, if John feels kind of similar to those base training miles to maybe the first hundred episodes he did or whatever that number was, where it was like, you know, miles in the tank. Yeah, totally. Uh, I'll say that, I finally feel like I'm I've hit my stride and on the podcast side of things and it took about 200 episodes to get there. Um so that's that's uh like three and a half three yeah. and a half years. Um and the reason I say that is because I've I've finally had enough of my hypotheses validated in what makes someone what what enables someone to be excellent. And now my agenda is pulling out those aspects in every guest. Mm. And so wh whether they know, whether they will vocalize it <laughs> unprompted or not. Yeah. Um, and so like, I just had Brad Stolberg on um, a couple episodes ago. And I said to Brad, your life work is like the epitome of this podcast. I, I love to run a couple ideas by you while on on the mics and have you add some color to it and he was like yeah that sounds great and so here's someone who has devoted his life to like understanding peak performance and what it takes and i have 230 hours of conversations with people who have achieved peak performance yeah. through work and brick after brick after brick and i feel like i've learned a thing or two from them and it took 200 plus episodes in order for me to solidify my opinions. Yeah. Uh, it's like a meta-analysis of all of the, the 
words that have been shared on, yeah. on this podcast or on that podcast. And so, yes, the first 200 or first 100 episodes were definitely like the base building miles. And um, it, it feels like I'm getting to a place where it's like really helpful for people. It's definitely helpful for me. Yeah. It's def to get back to the question you asked originally, it's definitely informed how I train, how I think about training, um, and how I how I internalize and process how my training is going. Um I also have the extreme advantage of like many of these people that I've had on the podcast are people I run with on a regular basis here in Boulder. Yeah. So like Kara Goucher and Gwen Jorgensen, I run with them often and it's like it's like a masterclass mm -hmm. it's like a like i i learn so much from them every single time i talk to them um because they're so and it's not like they're they're um intentionally like teaching me a lesson every right. time it's just like these people are excellent at what they do because of who they are yeah not because oh i'm gonna turn it on today and be really good yeah and teach Jonathan a lesson or be really smart on this podcast. It's just like how they go about life. Yeah. And so I've been wondering a lot. There was a really funny reel that um, Laura Green uh, posted on um, Instagram a few weeks ago, making fun of a bunch of popular podcasters. And the, the two um, references to me were, uh, sorry, I'm late. I was just on a run with Kate Grace and, uh, Kara Goucher loves this new band. I suggest, I suggest it. And I was like, well, that's pretty funny. And yes, I do tend to run with a lot of professional yeah. athletes. Like I wonder, and like, that's the circle that I've created for myself here yeah. in Boulder. And I, I was like wondering why, why is that? And I, it, I kept coming back to the concept that you are the people, you are the sum, you are the average of the people you spend the most time with. Yeah. And I'm drawn to people who are afraid of stasis and afraid of, uh, or actively fight against status quo. Yeah. And I find those people horribly boring. And um, like, like a, like a, not like a virus, but it's like a, it's infectious. Yeah. If the people around you are are comfortable, just being, yeah, and and not improving, which is totally fine. Like you don't have to improve all the time. You don't even have to improve most of the time. There are plenty of people who live a great life, and they're just who they are, and they're happy with that. That doesn't work. That doesn't work for me. Yeah, and I don't want to surround myself with people who are not always striving to improve. Um, it, it's, it's so much so that like influenced relationships I've been in where my partner perhaps didn't, it was pretty apathetic about things mm. and it, it ended up being a turnoff. Yeah. And, um, my girlfriend now is like, she's incredible and she has this desire to get better and desire to improve. and be the best version of herself every day. And like, I find that so attractive. Yeah. Um, and I find that quality incredibly also, it's also incredibly infectious. And so I guess what I'm getting to is like, if you're listening to this, look at the people, the five people you spend the most time with 
are they having the influence on you that you want them to have on you? I look at my my um, colleagues at work. There's not a single person who I spend more than five minutes a day with who is comfortable just floating by. Yeah, everyone is is hard charging, and yes, there's the there's the time for rest and recovery and pulling sure. back. It's the slingshot, like pull back to spring forward. We can't we can't be the Elon Musk high intensity all the time uh, request that he's making of his of his workers. Um, it and so I, I'm surrounded in so many different arenas by people who 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 are sick of status quo. Yeah, and it it allows me to be better. I've hired I have five people that work for me on the podcast. And um, one of them, uh, her name is Emily Holland. She's the one who basically uh, steers the ship at this point. And um, she's a, she works with a handful of, of other podcasters and helps put structures and programs and, you know, some uh, management in place, not management, but yeah. um, execution and deliverables and all this stuff. Um, she's like, I love working with you because you're just like always chasing. You're always hungry. Um, and it, to me, like the minute I stop with that, that's the time to reevaluate whatever it is you're working on. Yeah. Because like, that's the piece that keeps me going, whether it's in running, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in, uh, work, um, the podcast, um, I, it's not a, it's not like a scarcity thing. I'm not like desperate for work i'm not desperate for for growth um but it's uh it's like an abundance mindset where there's always more that that we can do and we can always improve yeah and to me that's like that's how i love living life there's a couple of things that i want to say about that first is i want to i want to ask you how important is or do you find it important to have balance in that I think I've asked this question a million times. Um, I think balance is, is overrated. It's unattainable. Um, and it's not necessarily the, the appropriate focus for someone like myself. For me, it's, um, I had a friend, Mary Johnson on the podcast in 2020. She's a runner and mom and coach. Um, and, she talked about seasons of life and some seasons are more focused on one thing. And so it's like a, a Lindsay Krauss described it as a triangle with varying lengths of the side. Sometimes it's uh, equilateral. Sometimes it's obtuse. Sometimes it's acute, yeah. but each, but, but if, if one goes too far, the triangle collapses. Yeah. And, um, it's a good way to look that's at how it. I, that's how I look at it, right? It's, it's less about, you can't apply equal effort into everything. Yeah. It's, it's, un, it's unreasonable. Um, but you certainly can't overdraw in certain areas. And you can't neglect things for too long before coming back and, and focusing on that. So for me, it's less about balance and more about appropriate allocation of time and resources um 
throughout different seasons of yeah. the year. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, the reason that I asked is I think that it's, I, I would echo your point about balance being somewhat overrated and largely unattainable for, like I'm a, I'm a, it sounds like you are as well, very passionate person. I get very involved in what call them hobbies or interests or whatever they are. And so I tend to sort of binge in areas where right. I'll be, I'll be all in on work and I have a hard time even getting, I have to force myself to go to the gym or, you know, whatever. And then there are other times where I'm just like staring at the front door, just like cannot wait yeah. to get out on my long run and, and just can't even focus on work. And I have found the more I try to fight those instincts, the harder everything else falls apart. It's like I lean yeah. into it and say, shit, if I can get, if I can get a good six week block in while this hunger is just absolutely driving everything about me. Yeah. Listen to the cues. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's when you'll do the best work. Yeah. Or best, whatever it is. Yeah. How, like when you're, when you're, when you're around somebody who does one thing so well, like a Kara Goucher, not that, not that she's a one trick pony. She's obviously got a lot of successful things going in her life, but when you, um, especially kind of approaching running or endurance in general and and again follow uh follow your instagram and you will literally see like a who's who of certainly boulder but beyond boulder sort of running um i'm just curious about like just the the mindset does it play tricks on you i, I don't even know how to ask this question basically when you're running with a Kara Goucher or a courtney DeWalter. They're, they're doing something at such an extremely high level or have done it at such an extremely high level that you may or may not have an ability or desire to get to that level. Does that sort of factor into things or are you just, you just no, sort of soaking not, up the knowledge that they've got to give? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll never run as fast as them and I yeah. never aspire to. Uh, I'm not going to the Olympics and I, <laughs> I don't aspire to, but I, I aspire to have this, a similar work ethic. And that's, that's the piece that is motivational for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're doing it at the right time of your life. You know, I think I've got, I've got a couple of few decades on you. So I've, I've been, been through a lot of those things. And uh, one of the things that I think your generation is up against is a lack of that sort of work ethic in general. Yeah. Um, which is tough because I think you have it in spades on, in one case, you know, there are certainly, I mean, there's always going to be super ambitious people, but I think culturally there is a um there's like a negativity growing around this like leaning really heavily into i mean i didn't have a life in my 20s and 30s frankly i worked i worked 18 hour days building you know different businesses and things like that learning how to write software learning how to run businesses and i was happy as a clam you know um and now that almost seems yeah, it's to be different frowned upon it's a different work ethic and there's the like hustle culture of if you're not busy all the time, you're wasting time, which I think is also, that's not the best approach. Yeah. Um, we're getting to a place where so busy used to be a status symbol. Oh, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm so busy. Oh, I only slept five hours. Yeah. I think we're realizing what it takes to achieve sustainable progress over time, right? Yeah. Good good 80% of the time for 10 years or 20 years is way better than 
great 10% of the time yeah, or 90% of the time for two years or two minutes or whatever it is. Yeah. And so it's, it's sort of like the, the law of averages. And it, it's sort of, if, if you can do this, like a steady or more likely a corkscrew yeah. rolling up versus super up, super right. down, super like that kind of thing. Yeah. That that's I think where we where you should, you know, point our point our beacon. Yeah, for sure. Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's business partner, I just read a quote by him or heard and it was basically I don't remember what the exact quote was, but it was essentially success is more about being consistently not stupid than it is about <laughs> ever being brilliant. You know. Yeah. Which, which I think that's basically what you just said. It's like, if I can, if I can tack one more on before I lose one consistently right. enough, I'm going to get where I need to go versus trying to put a thousand on, which I'm more likely to lose 10,000 if I'm trying to stack right. that thousand, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell me about Inside Tracker and your, your, what you guys do over there and then obviously what you do with them. For them. Yes. So Inside Tracker, I've been there for eight years now. Um, Inside Tracker is all about helping you do what you love for longer. So how do you focus on the simple, subtle tweaks to your routine that lead to uh, just feeling better? Um, it's the focus is health span and, and how, how do we help make better decisions when it comes to health so that we can, again, feel better sleep better, eat better, perform better. Um, our CEO joked, uh, we're for people who want to walk their butt when they're 80. So it's like, how do you, Peter Atia talked about it in, in a similar but different way. Um, how do you plan for your last decade? And how do you ensure that your last decade has as much life and vitality as possible? And so the people who it resonates most for are people who are not looking for a quick fix, but they understand that like over the long run or for the long run, uh, simple, simple, consistent tweaks um, lead to progress. Uh, it also happens to be that this resonates very strongly with endurance athletes who have an acute reason to use it. I want to feel better. I don't want to be injured. I have a race coming up in 10 weeks. I want to make sure I have a good baseline of health. Um, and it's been fascinating because I believe we've helped steer the conversation around the fact that performance is achieved by health and, and performance is not, uh, in opposition of health, which is what people used to say, but rather if you want to pr improve as an athlete, the secret is you must be consistent. Yeah. How do you stay consistent? Well, you stay healthy. How do you stay healthy? Well, you know what your body needs. So we find that like people are super deficient in things like vitamin D, which impacts sleep and recovery and testosterone and readiness to train and all these things or ferritin related to iron levels. 50% of our female population has low iron levels, which means like you're going to be tired. Yeah. And so then how is it easy? How is it possible to be consistent when you're tired all the time? Um, so we look at these, at these nutrient hormone levels that it's more comprehensive than what a, what a physical would cover. And then it's tailored to you. So create optimal ranges based on your specific needs as an individual, not just based on the fact that you're a human. 
Uh, so you asked what's my what my role is. I've done a little bit of everything over my time there. Um, today, it's a lot of speaking with potential customers and helping to point direction in um, not just the endurance space, but just in general. Who should we be working with? Who are the partners we should work with? What are the podcasts that make sense for us to support? Who's out there creating good good content related to nutrition education? Uh, performance. Uh, I do some work with pro sports. Just had an NHL team um, test 80 of their athletes. Uh, stuff like that, where it's a pretty broad, pretty broad range of like when I joined, there were eight eight people, and now we have 130. And so my job, I couldn't apply for my job at any company in the world. It it sort of has grown as I've as I've grown with the company, as the company has grown as well. And we've gotten to a place where it's like, okay, well, what are your strengths? And how do we, how do we take advantage of that versus let's pigeonhole you into a certain area because it's, it's a specific need. It's like, yeah. what are you good at and how does it help the company? Let's point you in that direction, which is an incredibly awesome place to be. And again, it doesn't exist unless you're there from the beginning. Um, so it's been, it's been a really fun journey. and. Um, we won't be satisfied until we can help every human on the planet improve their improve improve. Um, yeah, and we're we're well on our way to that mission. And when I joined, it was a it seemed like a pretty lofty goal, <laughs> um, but that's the point. And years later, it's like okay, yeah, I, I see how we're gonna do that now. Yeah, it's always a it's always a uh, a tightrope walk between that sort of Simon Sinek like vision statement and then something that's right. achievable right like kind of like you right. said at the very beginning yeah my goal is a two-hour marathon well it's a great goal but you know if you can't break right. three two is just going to demoralize you so that that's right. is it is it a is it a series of blood tests is it an app is it a device is it all three what yes what's the product itself so functionally so the the product itself is an app that gives guidance uh, the way that we fuel that guidance is through blood, DNA, and wearable insights. So we, we facilitate a test at a local lab, so Quest Diagnostics, for example. Um, you can opt to do a DNA test, which we mail to you. Uh, that adds another layer of detail and integrity to the guidance. And then you can also connect a wearable, like a Garmin or a Fitbit or Apple Watch, for insights around sleep and resting heart rate, and yeah. eventually things like HRV and, and whatnot. Um, so and me, so all together... Like a- Sorry, give me like a practical insight as to, I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize for that. The, but like how this has helped you specifically yeah. in that. In- so the first, the first thing I learned was um, my vitamin D was super low. Okay. I fixed that and my sleep improved immediately. Um, more recently, um, I've, I've been running a lot more and I'm also eight years older and I'm in my thirties now. And like, I can't just get by like a 24 year old. Um, I know you're laughing, but (laughs) anyway, so for me, it's, it's a, it's a, um, how do I continue to, to add more to my life from a training perspective, things like that. Um, and also just feel better while doing more. And I've been able to do that. Um, I, the coolest use case uh, is with my dad. 
Um, so he's been testing quarterly since I joined in 2014. Um, he's 62 now. And in the summer of 2020, he had a couple rounds of, of blood data um, that didn't look right. Uh, so his liver enzymes, his liver labs were elevated. And we kept saying, go to a doctor, go to a doctor. And so both the system has an automated trigger based on called panic values that say, go to your, like, speak with your physician about this. And then someone from our team, like, called him and said, you should go speak with your physician after um, a review. And so he did. And his doctor said, go to the hospital right now. And he said, uh, how about tomorrow? And she said, what don't you understand about go right now? Wow. And so he spent a week in the hospital and they told him that his proactiveness definitely saved his liver wow. and potentially saved his life. And so here is someone who's healthy. He runs, he's active, he eats well enough. And something happened that was totally random. It ended up being like an autoimmune flare-up that mm. he's never had in his life. And um, because he had a baseline of health and what his numbers looked like when he was healthy, and he saw an extreme deviation mm. for that with no explanation, yeah. and two rounds of it validated by, again, two rounds, and someone saying, go fix this. Um, he was able to do it. And his doctor literally said, oh, shit, I'm sorry I missed this. Wow. But what, how would they ever have yeah. caught it? Because like that type of testing is not normally done, right. which isn't to say we're here to scare you into doing testing. The point of this conversation is to say, Mark Cuban said it perfectly a few years ago. He said, anyone who can afford it should be blood testing a comprehensive panel quarterly yeah. so that you know your numbers when you're healthy. And you can uh, take appropriate action when, when something changes because inevitably something is going to change. A similar thing happened for me. My, I had a, um, over an 18-month period, my inflammation continued to rise. And it, got, it, it ended up being something related to, I finally went to a doctor due to GI issues. The doctor was like, oh, it'd be really awesome if you had uh, uh, blood, recent blood data. I was like, Oh man, Do I I? 35, <laughs> 35 tests over the last eight years. And here's the exact marker you're looking for. And here's the elevation. Wow. He's like, okay, cool. You just saved us two weeks of, of me writing lab orders, you going for a test, the test coming back and blah, blah, blah. So we ruled something out just from, just from me being proactive and saved two weeks in this exploratory process. So yeah. long story short, it's all about having, giving people a sense of agency around their health. It'll help your performance too. It'll help your running. It'll help this. But the 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 true value is um, giving you control over the metrics that matter and 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 your life. Yeah. Really. My son actually had um, going into his junior track season, he was feeling really run down. He's six three and didn't just shot up. So I'm I am not six three. I'm much shorter than that. But um. And my, so my wife, who is a nutritionist, um, did a blood panel on him or had a blood panel run. And he, um, and he was like, a he was always kind of a middle of the pack cross country and track runner, you know, decent, but you know, especially living in Colorado, nothing really to write home about. 
And so through this blood panel, found out he was anemic. He had super low vitamin D. Um, and within something like 60 days of us fixing that, he went basically like on this tear, ran like a four, awesome. 445 mile jump to the, I mean, it was just remarkable to see yeah. how he cool. responded to this. I, I didn't know about Inside Tracker uh, before. So that's, uh, that's super cool. And, uh, sounds like he could have been benefiting from such a service. <laughs> For sure. Cool. Well, I know you're up against it. Um, we had a limited time to, to chat today, but, um, so why don't we start winding this thing down a little bit? Um, obviously for the long run is your podcast. Um, let everybody know where they can find you online and, and get in touch with you. Yeah, the podcast is available on all major podcast platforms on YouTube now as well. I do some three to five minute uh, quick clips on there and then 30 second clips with uh, some of the best the best highlights from each episode um, at JW Levitt on Instagram and Twitter for as long as Twitter lasts. And uh, yeah, InsideTracker.com. Cool. And I appreciate the uh, the opportunity to chat here, Troy. It's been fun. Yeah, it's been super fun. I'm I'm glad we I'm glad we followed uh, Jason's uh, suggestion and got together to chat a little bit. As I said, I don't have anything cool enough going on right now to to get on your show. But if I if I end up doing the summer series that I'm hoping to do, maybe I'll have some fun stuff to chat about. Cool. That sounds like a plan. Awesome. Well, it was great chatting with you. Likewise. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, John. That is the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much to John Levitt for sitting down and sharing a great hour with us. I'm going to ask you to complete three very simple tasks to help to grow the show. Uh, first off, give a quick five-star rating and review on Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen. It really does help us grow. Number two, follow us on Instagram at Faster Forward Show. And number three, please do share a link. Tell your friends about this episode if you think they would enjoy it. We'll have a specific post for episode 54 on Instagram. Um, if you have any comments, questions, if you're looking for a guest that you'd love to see on the Faster Forward Show, please do let me know. Otherwise, just let us know in the comments what you thought um, or drop me an email at troy at busso.com. That's B-U-S-O-T dot com. And uh, as always, until next time and keep it moving faster forward, everybody.